0: Welcome. 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 Bienvenido. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Welcome Keep Connected. I'm David Siegel. In today's podcast, we have Brad Hargraves, the founder of General Assembly, the founder and chairman today of Common. If you are looking for advice on career transitions, if you're looking for information on building community, this is the episode for you to learn not just the common answers, but the uncommon ones as well happy listening. Brad Hargraves, welcome to Keep Connected.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Okay. Now, everyone should understand, Brad knows a lot about keeping people connected. He is the chairman of Common, which is all about connecting individuals in their living spaces. He was the founder, and he was the founder of Common as well. He's the founder of a general assembly, which is all about also building community and building connections and helping people around their career transformations. So I find it amazing, first of all, that you are willing to punish yourself by not just being a founder once, but being a founder now multiple times. What what are you glutton for punishment?
0: I don't know what else to do. It's the only thing I know. So I keep doing it. Uh, there would probably be easier ways to live my life, but uh, but I love it and I have fun and hopefully uh, do some good for people in the process.
1: Okay, so after General Assembly, you which is now in 20 cities, 35,000 graduates, we're going to talk a lot about, and Common up to 10,000 beds. When we do, are you working on the potential next idea? Yeah, well, uh,
0: you know, as I mentioned to you before the show, um, brought on a great CEO to run Common day to day. I've been building it for over seven years. Um, incredible woman named Carlene Holloman, who has spent more than three decades building and managing hospitality operating companies. So I am out of, uh, day to day at, at common and, uh, and I'm taking some time off for the first time really in my, in my working career, which has been, uh, has been really nice.
1: What does a day in the life of a incredibly successful entrepreneur who doesn't really have to work ever again, if he doesn't want to look like, are you getting off the couch?
0: I Well, my four-year-old and six-year-old mandate that I could offer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've got two young kids. I take them to school every morning. I pick them up every day. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing. I um, started a uh, newsletter called Thesis Driven, which is focused on innovation in the built environment, kind of going deep into new real estate trends and topics that are emerging by profiling thing, people that are, are building New things aligned with those trends. So I've had a lot of time to write, which is uh, which has been really nice and uh, catch up with uh, catch up with a bunch of people. So it's uh, it's been nice to take some time off.
1: And is there a meaningful feedback mechanism for your writing? Meaning, a lot of times you could write and people read it, and that's wonderful. But it's even better when people you write and then you actually get feedback back because that's for me. I find I need that. Because um, I need that kind of incentive to to keep going on and writing more to hear if it's helping people or not.
0: Well, one of the things so I, I do it on Substack and something Substack does, and certainly Twitter does very well. Yes, uh, where I promote a lot of uh, and 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 push the articles out is really enables um, people to comment and people to say, hey, you know, this is spot on, this was helpful, or hey, you're an idiot, you didn't think about X, Y, and Z, um, which I, I get both of those. Um, so that is, and it's, you know, going back to this idea of community that we're talking about, it's a very different type of community than one I've ever fostered before, but you see the same people engaging with, you know, what I'm putting out on, uh, on Twitter, for instance, you know, there's these little sub communities, there's groups of people who advocate for housing policy reform that, uh, I support. There are groups of real estate developers. You don't think about real estate developers having a community, but there's actually a really tight community of real estate developers on Twitter. It's been fascinating to see the growth of these little sub-communities doing very specific things. And, um, you know, I think Meetup was uh, and is great at fostering that. And then you see, you know, online channels like Twitter uh, taking that nation and worldwide. So, um, you know, yes, through those i I do end up with a lot of feedback sometimes more than I want on my plate
1: i of course, okay, let's talk about the first major community that you helped to really build when you started general assembly, and then we'll start talk about that we'll talk about com. we'll talk about all the other things that 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 you're doing. General Assembly. Why did you start it initially? How did that company evolve? And then, and then we'll get to what kind of what role community played and, and what learnings you know, people are going to have as well. So why did you start General Assembly? Yeah, totally.
0: So, so to start, I was uh, one of a couple of co-founders of it. Um, it was actually four of us in the early days. And each one of us kind of had our own vision of what it would be. And you know, this was coming out of the global financial crisis. And we, we didn't really start it as a company. Um, we started it more as a collective, if you will, of people in this emerging tech community scene in New York. There were, on one hand, a lot of interesting companies getting started. Uh, my co founder, Matt Breimer, um, knew a lot of them, went to events, got to meet a lot of these emerging tech companies, of which Meetup was, was really one at the
1: time. Mm-hmm. This is 2008 um, 2009 time yes is okay. 2009
0: really um, you know going into 2010 when we formally started General Assembly and uh, you know you look at these companies and you know they had a huge need for talent. Um, they needed engineers, digital marketers, designers, product managers and these weren't disciplines that were really coming out of universities on the flip side, Remember, this is not a time of, you know, three and a half percent unemployment. It's much, much higher. You had a lot of people coming out of school, my peers at the time, that were, you could say, overeducated and underemployed. Um, people had gotten degrees, expected to go into, whether it was you know, law, finance, whatever. Now, suddenly, those opportunities and those paths weren't as clear as they used to be. So they said, hey, I have to pick up new skills. So there was an educational angle So we had all these different parts. We We started with this. 16,000 square foot we called it an urban campus at 902 broadway uh back and this is remember back when you could rent office space at we rented that at 29 bucks a foot for a 10-year lease today that was space you know would probably go for 80 85 amazing um everyone by the way laments you know, the decline of 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 office and office rents are dropping. And I would love to go back. And I think you can do a lot of really interesting and creative things when rents are 27 bucks a foot. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we had a little bit of co-working space for interesting startups. We had a big event space where we'd would host meetups and events like that, hackathons, et cetera. And then we had a classroom. And the classroom is where the education would happen. And even though it was a very small part of our square footage. It was maybe 400 square feet out of the 16,000 total that we had. Uh, That became the core of the business. High ROI,
1: 400 square feet right there.
0: Absolutely. So initially, it was just these small evening classes, weekend workshops, and eventually we started teaching people fundamentals of web development, of user research, of digital marketing, data science. And this was, you know, really before I would say on the very early end of kind of the learn to code movement when that became really, really, really hot. Um, and as we continue to grow and built more campuses and, and more spaces, um, a larger part of our business became enterprise as well. So helping organizations digitize, helping them take the talent that they had and make sure it was you know, up to speed and fluent on digital technology.
1: Right. People had to up level. The, the, the New Absolutely. York Times was like separate, you know, print New York Times team and the digital New York Times team. Right. And the, they wanted nothing to do with each other until right. there isn't that much of a print New York Times team anymore. It's one one integrated, but publishers in particular um, resisted for a period of time until some of them don't exist anymore. Right. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And it, every, you know, you look from, say, starting in maybe 2012, 2013, until 2018, 2019, so many consumer-facing organizations went through a digital transformation. Right. Everyone was talking right. about And them. General
1: Assembly was very much at the forefront of that. So let's talk about community as it related to General Assembly and uh, connections. What role did it play? How did that community space help you? I'm assuming you weren't like directly monetizing it. It was more that, I don't know, you used it for lead gen or or. tell, tell me about what the role that community played in kind of helping it to, to grow that, you know, the enormous company that that it, it continues to be today. The nature of community kind of touched everything we did at General Assembly.
0: And so, you know, it's a really important part of, you know, we looked at it as this kind of extended user journey, particularly in the early days. I mean, someone comes to an event um, maybe they're working a job at a law firm, maybe they are about to graduate college, maybe they are just moved to the city um, for whatever reason, and they're looking to explore what's going on in the, the broader tech, tech world. They would come to an event, and they, they would learn a little bit, and then maybe they'd take a class in the evening. Uh, maybe they'd go to a weekend workshop, and then they'd sign up for a course. And then we could help them get a job, uh, at a startup or at one of our talent partners. So we looked at that kind of, and that exposure to people at various stages of progressing through that ecosystem is being really important. And so we would create specific things to take people from one stage to the next. And those stages almost always had some aspect of like, Hey, get to know other people, mm. um, you know, exist in community, see what other people are doing. Uh, so we would run regular programs like introduction to the startup ecosystem, where we would talk about, hey, here's the major VCs, here are the major, you know, really interesting tech companies. Here's like five meetup groups you should
1: check out. Yeah, um, and people would come, and they would and did come here. just for the pizza, or they came for other reasons too? They, who knows? <laughs> uh, the <laughs> was pizza, there always pizza at these events? I, I, you know, or no? There was a lot of pizza. A lot I of. I don't pizza. know how many. <laughs>
0: Slices of pizza have been served at general assembly events <laughs> in, the, uh, in the history of general assembly events, but it's probably in the, in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, so they, they would come for, for, you know, or it's just a thing to do on a Tuesday night. Um, go to this workshop, learn a little bit about tech. We actually started finding specific channels to take people from specific industries into what we were doing into tech. So we would run a lot of events for lawyers. Oh, wow. Um, lawyers
1: mean, you're telling me that some lawyers don't love being lawyers and want to actually go to Shocking. another job. I I, I don't know. I, every lawyer I know loves their We're job. often go in house at a startup. Is very yes, important. very common. Very, very very common, and and it is very different than being right. a, uh, a white shoe law firm into you know a tech tech GC. Very different role.
0: I mean, I'm guessing Meetups lawyers are dressed more like you and I, and not. Wearing suit and ties every day. I could be wrong.
1: Definitely. But
0: Definitely. Uh, there are real benefits to that. Probably not going in the office three days or uh, five days a week.
1: Just Agree. To- okay, so community central to everything. I have to ask, it's a little aside, but I'm just interested in the topic around career transformations for people. So many of our listeners have are in the process of career transformation. So many people at Meetup join Meetup groups because of the networking career transformation element to Meetup groups. What holds people back? What advice would you give to people? Having seen literally thousands, and as an organization, tens of thousands of people go through career transformations, what advice can you give our listeners around what's holding people back, what actions they could take? So
0: there's a few different ways I could answer that. And I I would say the most fundamental is, you know, it requires in many cases taking a step back to go through a career Mm, transformation. And that- In every way.
1: Both in every financially event. and also in level, you were a director. Now you're an individual contributor. Whatever that.
0: And there is a obviously an ego component of that. I, I don't want to dismiss that, but there's also a meaningful financial component of that as well. And you know, for some people, that financial piece is is viable, and in some cases, it's not. And you know, you've seen a lot of different models come out. You know, you look at what. Um, You know, people like Austin Allred are doing right now with the income share agreements model. That's kind of after my time. Um, You know, income share agreements weren't really prevalent when... You know what?
1: Not everyone knows what those are. Why why don't you explain what an income share agreement is for people in just one or two sentences?
0: So an income share agreement is a way that a student can basically finance their education, not through an upfront payment or debt, but rather than but rather saying, I'm going to pay a share of my income, could be above a certain threshold, could be after a certain period of time, uh, back to whoever is financing that
1: education. Right. So companies could even be looking at individuals as individual stocks and, right. and, and hoping that that individual is potentially, you know, high paying stock return, but please continue.
0: No, so it's it's you've seen innovation in this space to 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 help address this challenge. You know, people, even though a lot of these programs are an order of magnitude less expensive than traditional undergraduate or graduate education, that's still a meaningful cost. Not everyone can afford to take that on. So what I do tell young people when they come to me or, you know, at any stage of life is try to keep your personal burn rate as low as possible. Um, it really does, and sometimes that's not possible, but it really does increase the number of you know options you have yeah. available. A- asset
1: light existence. Asset light existence. As long as you can keep that, the better. So number one is be willing to potentially take a step back. Um, mindset, ego, etc. What are a couple more? Just being willing, that
0: willingness from an ego standpoint and from a financial standpoint, uh, is Incredibly, incredibly important. I think that unlocks so many other things that you could look at as separate, but I almost look at as subsidiaries to that. So like willingness, eagerness, intellectual curiosity um, often is pretty closely mapped to your willingness to admit and say like, hey, I don't understand this. This is going to be hard. I want to put the time and effort into it. That I kind of look at as subsidiary to the ego piece and willing to take that step back. So I think a lot of it just goes back to that. So rather than listing a laundry uh, laundry list of things, I'd rather just say, have that willingness and keep your burn rate as low as possible, and you're going to be in a good position to go through a career transition.
1: Very nice. Okay. Let's talk about you. Sometimes I start with the person. But this side I decided, let's start with General something. then go to you, then we'll go to Common. You grew up in rural Arkansas, went to an Ivy League school, went around the world in science competitions, done a lot of really interesting things. Was... Community connections, education, which is like the forefront of a lot of the areas that you've devoted your life to, I, was was that a big deal for you? Um, when did it become a big deal? How did your past influence that? Share a little on that. Yeah,
0: totally. So I, you know, I think I've always been seeking out connections and trying to build my own community. I grew up in a very, very isolated, very rural area. Uh, not a lot of other human beings around um and I think and now I live in Chelsea Manhattan. a lot of what you know what I've built from you know general assembly to to common has been focused on um you know building not communities stand alone but using this idea of togetherness bringing people together around common motivation and common cause um using that as an accelerant in a way to do what we're doing better. Um, did,
1: did you feel like growing up, you had community because it was this small environment? I, I think when I had opportunities to seek
0: out community through, you know, entering whatever academic competition I found on the internet, um, I would do that. Uh, but it was what it was. And I don't think I, I knew anything really different. And, you know, my Best friend today uh, is someone I met when we were 12 on an online games forum. So it's you know, life has uh, life has funny ways of working out, you know. But
1: you know, gaming drives community as well. And there are so many people who um don't understand the fact that gaming, when I used to play, of course, was back in the Nintendo days, shall we say? I guess in, you know, early days when I was, I was a teenager. Um, it was not as community-oriented as it, as it certainly is today. And for many people, it's incredibly valuable. Okay, let's talk about Common because it's just super interesting company. What is Common and why is Common so needed by, by frankly so many people post-college, people in their 20s, 30s, and, and not just that age, but 40s, 50s, and potentially 60s as well. Why is Common so valuable, important, et cetera?
0: well, let's go back to General Assembly. I mean, we were building these, you know, 902 Broadways in the heart of Manhattan. That's, you know, and we we replicated that model in a lot of other cities. And when you have a lot of people and you see a lot of people, mostly young people, moving to these big, expensive cities, the struggle to find housing, specifically affordable housing, is in the forefront. And we saw that all these students... You know, not just our students, our instructors, our employees were moving in and 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 saying, hey, I'm not even going to try to find an apartment. I'm going to find a room on Craigslist. And that this kind of informal roommate world was actually massive, and nobody in the development and finance world was paying attention to it. Um, 25 million Americans share a home or apartment with someone they're not related to. Wow. Um, and if you look back in history, back prior to World War II, uh, it was really common for when people moved to cities, they would live in, you know, what we would today call residential hotels. You know, and some of them were really, really nice. The Plaza Hotel used to mostly be long-term residence. Um, you still occasionally see these, like, you know, women's hotels and things like that, that, you know, people move to. You know, often when they're new to the city, straight out of college, you know, uh, the the Y on the upper, uh, upper East Side, 92nd Street Y has a lot of, you know, kind of single room housing. So he said, let's take this concept and, you know, adapt it to the 21st century, um, work directly with the real estate world. Um, so partner with developers, partner with investors to create housing built with roommates in mind, um, typically three to five bedroom apartments. Uh, that open into shared kitchen living amenity areas um, that are priced at a substantial, I think 30% discount to a studio apartment in the same neighborhood, same quality. Um, plus it comes with utilities, wifi, shared cleaning or uh, shared kitchen and bathroom supplies, cleaning all that. So that was uh, the idea back in, uh, back in 2015. And um, you know, we've you know kind of made it in some ways a thing in other ways it's like we're still just scratching the surface you know 10,000 units is a great number but it's small in comparison to the need
1: right i mean uh, the, the of the addressable audience it's a minuscule percentage minuscule. but that tells you how enormous the potential can be okay so community is very much at the center of general assembly and also at the center of common talk about how does common um build community? What are some of the best practices that Common does? And also, what are even best practices that anyone who is in is not in, you know, a Common apartment could potentially think about doing?
0: You know, for us at Common, you know, it, it really starts with kind of having, uh, you know, some shared set of understanding of what, is it, what does it mean to live together in share space? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have some basic understanding there first to make sure that, you know, he's, what you don't want to do is say, hey, we're going to have all these fun events, but you don't have some Common shared set right. of understanding. Get the, get the or basics
1: order. done. You can't you, you can't leave basics. your dirty laundry in the in the kitchen sink. Not cool. Yeah.
0: So there's there's some basic set of things there that just have to have to be established, and we have to be a good property manager. That's what we are at the end of the day. You know, we work. We're a designer and property manager of these of these spaces. Um, you know, beyond that, it is about kind of creating those forums and venues for people to meet, both within buildings. So it might be. Uh, you know, something where it's very traditional, like, hey, get together, get to know the people in your building, welcome new people coming in. And we also do a lot of things at a city or neighborhood level. So in comparison to a lot of, you know, kind of more traditional residential communities, we try to get people out into the community, go to local, you know, local sporting events, local bars, you know, local restaurants um, is a big part of uh, a big part of what we do to foster and support that. Do you
1: community. have, like, a community manager in in each building or that, that focuses on this, or is it a part of someone's responsibility?
0: Yeah, so we have kind of a central community management group um, that organizes, you know, events and things for all of the cities, cities we're in right now. Um, and then we often have local property managers uh, that really help out there and adapt those
1: events to the local communities. Nice. Okay. Is there... If someone's not in a common building, which most of our listeners are not, versus are, though I'm sure some are, is there any things that they should start, should think about doing to help to build community within their apartments? What what could John and Jane in San Diego be doing, you know, to build greater community among the people with whom you know they live with?
0: Often we found that the best communities come through share, start with shared interests. So a lot of our matching, particularly on a city level, is about, hey, you live in common and you're interested in running. Why don't you join this running club? So I would really start by thinking about, okay, are there are there some shared interests that go beyond just like, hey, we live in this building? Um, You know, often I found certainly outside of common buildings, one of those shared interests is, hey, let's advocate for something that we'd love to see happen in the building. Yes. Um, you know, we need this elevator fixed. Uh, you know, we'd love to see, you know, something installed in the garden in the back. Um, so that's often a way that neighbors can get together and get to know each other and build those build those relationships.
1: And property managers um, love when all the neighbors get together Too, It's great. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, to ask but- for a million dollar investment in XYZ.
0: It is, uh, you know, that, that is often what I encourage people to do is think about some shared, some shared cause, whether it's yes. an interest that they all have or something they'd like to see done, um, you know, to get together and uh, talk about that and try to make it happen.
1: A garden is a great example, though. Because it's it's physically located potentially near or in the building, and it could be something that people could actually do together, or work on together, and be uh, a meaningful source of joy. But that's that's a re- and, and doesn't have to be, unless it's in probably New York City or some expensive place like that, you know, at an outrageous cost. So, what types of common goals uh, that that you see people wanting to kind of join forces together on? I gave gardening as an example. Any other ones? Well,
0: you often see uh these gather you know, groups gather around sporting events and things like that too. Um that you know, it's kind of silly sometimes for each person to be isolated in their own living room, uh, watching the World Series, watching the Super Bowl. Uh get a lot of people together in the building. That's yeah, all so the easy.
1: Works. And then just bring pizza again.
0: Absolutely. So <laughs> it, it it doesn't have to be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated a, a way right. to Just invite your neighbors over and say, hey, here's something we're doing. I'm hosting a Super Bowl party. I'm having an event to watch X, Y, and Z. I've got a plan on the TV. I'll have some chips. I'll have some pizza. People will come by.
1: Brett, I love that you're calling that out because one of the things I did want to hit on is how to organize events in a uh, cost-effective, in a time-effective kind of way. And I think there's a lot, people are intimidated, justifiably. A lot of people want to go to a party not everyone wants to host a party, right? And okay. hosting events, whether meetup organizers or just generally want to have something in their home or wherever. And, and the principle that you said is a really important one, which is figure out how to keep it really simple. Any other advice you would give specifically around events, aside from keeping them simple, keeping them in close proximity, probably to where someone lives, any other bits of advice you would give to, to people around that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on what stage you are in the development of your event. I mean, someone who's just getting started and and thinking through the first steps, for them, I would say, like, don't overthink it. Uh, just open your door, be accommodating, welcome people in. Um, and, you know, most people are incredibly friendly and, and warm. Um and so I try to encourage a lot of people to just start very, very simple, invite their kids' friends from school, invite people from work uh, to create that kind of – to start the first steps of that physical community.
1: Okay. Now, with two young kids, do you still host any events ever or too Absolutely. hard? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: We host bigger and more events than we've ever hosted. Let me hear. What are uh, a couple of events range, that you host? So we, we range from like, you know, we host events uh, in our house for – um, you know, political candidates we support mm-hmm. to nonprofit. We had a nonprofit fundraiser. Um, my best friend I met in the gaming, uh, well,
1: let's share it. What's the nonprofit? We like hearing about At the table.
0: They, uh, support, um, kids in foster care, um, with educational resources, specifically tutoring. Um, so it's a great cause. He started it three years ago. It's, uh, he's, he's helping out hundreds of students, um, with tutoring and support. And uh, we hosted a fundraiser in my house a few, uh, I guess, about a month ago. I won't feel bad get
1: an invite, but, you know, maybe next time.
0: Next time, <laughs> we'd love to have you. So, um, like, something super simple. We, we, we do, um, you know, just two weeks ago, we had a Passover Seder. Kept it really, really low key, but invited, um, you know, other parents, families in our kids' class. Um, if they didn't have anywhere else to go, they can come to our house.
1: You were a meetup organizer at one point yes. in time, which is why you're such an event and community expert. According to what you said, you have possibly into over 200 different meetup events. Okay. What was the group that you had organized? And, and let's start with that. What was the group you, you were a meetup organizer for?
0: So when I was in college, prior to starting general assembly, I was a game developer and I started a game developers meetup group here in New York. Uh, for other game developers because there was nowhere for people who were building games uh to get together and uh talk about building games
1: amazing so and was, uh, and what happened really like there. what was your biggest event did you have like 10 20 people ever come to an event or or even more than that oh we got we got well into the hundreds we would hundreds of kids. people were coming to yeah. your events absolutely we would um
0: we would do them in uh, gallery bar in the lower east side and uh we'd do them every month and it was um We'd have six developers come and demo their games. They had a and big did people screen. did Gallery Barbie. They had a big big screen, and so people could throw up their games and be like, "Hey, here's a game I'm building."
1: And it's so fun. And did people actually um, then play games with each other uh, at the event or after the event, or was it more just educational to learn about?
0: We started. They started doing that later. I, I when General Assembly took off, I handed the right. group over to someone else, and I think they started more play testing. Amazing uh, play testing then. So.
1: Okay, that's, that's awesome. And you said you've also been to hundreds, which is more than I've been to as a CEO of Meetup. I've been to many, many, I don't know if about hundreds is the number. I'm going to one tonight. I'm actually going to a Zumba Meetup event tonight, so we'll see how that goes. Um, tell me about some of the events that you've been to uh, besides the gaming, one that you were an organizer of. Wow,
0: well, I mean, well, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, starting around the time we were starting General Assembly, I would... Every week, go on to meetup. It was the place to go to find. Hey, what tech events are happening this week? Where can we go talk about what we're doing? Meet new startups, meet interesting founders, meet engineers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from those uh, those years, I was probably going to um, go into a couple a week.
1: Woo! Okay, so you did it for recruiting reasons. To help to recruit people. Recruiting reasons. Investor also- investor reasons too, or not not mm-hmm. an investor thing. More like evangelizing, general okay. assembly, brand building. We're doing just like getting the brand out there. You know. Got it. Got it. Very nice marketing, brand building, all the other good stuff. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. Any uh, any advice or suggestions you would give to to our listeners around meetups specifically before we go into rapid fire questions? Um, yeah, you went to many. What should they do to find the right one? What should they do to, I don't know, any advice you'd give?
0: Well, I mean, I would just encourage people to go to events and then talk to people about what are the other good events they go to. Mm. Uh, Because you go to an event, you're probably going to meet a lot of other people who also go to other events and may have been doing it for longer. Uh, And I've just found that that is the best way to discover new events and what's going on in a city. I mean, you go to three events, and at each event, you ask three people, what else are they going to? You'll probably find the right venues, the right forums for what you want. If it wow. exists, and if it doesn't, you should start it.
1: Brad, it's really good advice because a lot of people don't realize, let's say they go to tech meetup events. They're like, oh, meetup's a tech platform. You do to go to, no, there's actually like hiking and book clubs and also people go to just book clubs. And realize, like, oh, well, I could actually go to these other types. So there's such a big plethora. People don't necessarily realize um, the, the gamut of different types. And even within gaming, there's thousands of different gaming groups to, to find. So thank you. Great advice. Here we go. Rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. First time you saw yourself as a leader, Brad.
0: Running my game development studio in college in 2006. Didn't know what I was doing, but I guess I saw myself as a leader or something.
1: You could access a time machine. Go anywhere in the world, anytime. Where are you going and when?
0: I'm super happy with the present right now. I love where we are. I think we're in a great time. Um, uh, you know, I think people over glorify the past and, uh, you know, the future will bring wonderful things, but I'm happy with where we are right here.
1: Woo! You know what? We've had over 60 episodes so far and no one has ever said right here, right now. Gotta live in the that. present. Very, very nice. Okay. What's something on your bucket list you could share? Uh, I want to do a cannonball run. Cannonball run is that like running with the bulls is running with cannons. I'm sure well, it's something uh, different that
0: it is a um illegal race of how quickly can you drive without stopping from New York to Los Angeles. <laughs> they just set they set actually a new the first new record of cannonball uh in twenty twenty during right. the COVID pandemic.
1: Okay, what's the record?
0: Uh, and it's something like twenty-eight hours. <laughs> to drive from New York to LA and then people strategize and like what routes to take. And, um, you know, when to do X, when to do Y they pair up. So someone's always driving and someone's sleeping. Um, so
1: what, what's keeping you from doing it? When's the next one?
0: <laughs> I don't know. We just have to have another, uh, another global pandemic or someone that drives everyone off the streets, you know, <laughs> See, people, people do believe that the 2020 record may never be broken. Uh, uh, because it was, there was no traffic in March of 2020. So some very, um, you know, not risk averse people decided to jump on that. And the first thing they thought of when the COVID pandemic was happening is like, now's the time to set the new cannonball record.
1: Okay. That is a, a creative person. Someone I would love to have at an event one day because, absolutely, you know, that person thinks differently. Okay. Last question, which is you know, you've done so much. You have really helped tens and tens of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people. And through the courses, through Common, through the events that you've had, it's really amazing. Um, How do you most want to be remembered? I think as someone who
0: brings people together and around great experiences is really, really core to my identity and who I know. And someone who, you know, look back and say, yeah, wow. I went to a lot of great experiences. I had a lot of I did a lot of fun things. I met a lot of great people and hopefully Brad was at the center of bringing that together.
1: Beautiful. And it's not just over about the experiences, it's about those people, that, right? That you meet in those experiences and hopefully how you could continue to maintain relationships with them over time. Brad, it is a pleasure. I'm so glad that we were connected and so glad we have the opportunity to to discuss and I think there's many ways in which hopefully you meet up and and Common can hopefully work together in the future. I just wanted to thank you so much for being part of Keep Connected. Thank you so much for having me on, this was great. Thanks for listening to today's podcast with Brad Hargraves. If you think that was a Common podcast, it was not. But on Bump, lots of great conversation on career transitions, the importance of being willing to take a step back in your career in order to take two, three, four steps forward. And his feedback around community building, keep it simple. Don't overthink it. Just open your door for an event. Advocating for community change as part of a community. All wonderful lessons for every one of us to consider. If you enjoyed today's podcast, subscribe, leave a review, and remember, let's keep connected, because life is better together. David Siegel here, your favorite podcast host. I have something important to share. Check out my new book, Decide and Conquer, To really get to know my story at Meetup. You know, the hardest thing about community leadership is making tough decisions when the stakes are high. And I'll tell you, they were never higher than when Meetup was owned and sold by WeWork. In my new book, Decide and Conquer, I'll walk you through a counterintuitive framework for decision making and the epic journey of Meetup's surprising survival. Good leaders deliberate, great leaders decide. Order my book today by visiting decideandconquerbook.com or anywhere books are sold. Think you'll like it.